What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf. Back at you here today. I'm the host here of your show, Gathering the Kings. I've got Mauricio Berber here on the King stage. How did I do with that name, brother? Pretty good. That's really good. <laughs> you know, I try to put some uh, enthusiasm. That helps me roll the R a little bit there. So I appreciate you giving me some flexibility. Mauricio, um, tell us what kind of business that you have here. I'm glad you're here. So we're in the business of pioneering the, this life-saving software. Uh, we come from a place of formerly bankers, turned over to tech, and then we've identified an opportunity and a need. Um, now we've patented a software that allows us to provide driver training to companies with large fleets. Uh, it's a big void in the industry, and we're pioneering it today. Uh, we've been doing it for five years. Um, oh. Case study has found that we have reduced um, risky driver behavior by up to 73%, so we're very proud of what wow. we're doing. Yeah, it's very exciting stuff. That's cool. Okay, so give us a quick idea of who... Who's using, I mean, there's a lot of companies that have drivers. I mean, I've got a couple of edible arrangements locations still. I have delivery drivers out there. Is this is this for the small edible arrangements uh, guy or is this more for someone who has semi-truck owners? Who, who are we talking about here? It's actually all the way around. So okay. one of the strategies that's being used today, it's called the nuclear verdict strategy that accident attorneys are just drooling over. They have found a way that if you use GPS tracking or even if you don't, because it's now affordable and everybody can have it, uh, they have found a way to villainize the company, right? So Chaz, one of your drivers gets into an accident. The first thing they're going to do is ask you, give me 90 days worth of data with this subpoena. They'll pull your GPS tracking data. They'll find that there was all these triggers and behaviors that were showing you that this driver was driving horribly. And mm. the question then, when you're in a hot seat by the attorney who knows what they're doing, in front of the jury says, what did you do to make this driver better? The chances are, and most likely the answer is, I gave him a driver training course when I hired him or three years ago, whatever the case is, right? Right. That then pulls a big sigh from the jury, and they villainize. So you mean to tell me that you put profits over people? Your data was telling you that there was a bad driver. You let this collision happen. You were fully negligent. And so now, instead of hitting you with a $500,000 for damages, they'll hit you with a $50 million because the jury is in a fight-or-flight right. state. It's, yeah. it's very incredible. It's, it's actually spiked the nuclear verdicts by 1,000% in the last three years. Well, I think, I mean, I hope that the sentiments of the listener are the same as mine. I was like following along with you. I already knew how this was going to end. And I'm just like, no, it's like a bad accident. Like literally going towards it. Like, no, that, that, no, that's not right. That's not justice. So what you guys do is you provide the training along the way to make sure that number one, that probably doesn't happen because they're good drivers now. <laughs> but number two is that if that were to happen, they're covered. It sounds like. Yeah. So our actual algorithm and our patent falls behind us tying into the accelerometer. So the, you, the devices all have accelerometers which tell you speeding, hard braking, hard acceleration, all those. We actually put that onto the risk uh, manager to create their own risk tolerance because no two fleets are the same, no two drivers are the same. So they can designate how many times the driver is allowed to speed, hard brake, distract the driver, all those. Once they hit that threshold, our system automatically assigns a short three-minute course specific to that behavior the next day. So now when you go to court, you have all this documentation that says, hey, my driver was in fact, you know, in, in the collision, but you see the data that shows that they were driving bad. There was a driver training after every single incident that happened. So I was proactively making them better. Oh, and by the way, my driver became a better driver since they started the program. So now they can't get the big sigh. You're not the villain. You're proactively training your drivers. So it's, wow. it's a pretty cool system. Yeah, I mean, it sounds incredible that um, that something that just gets pre-populated that like that based on information given. Uh, that's an incredible tool. Um, <clears throat> we're talking about stuff that uh, you know a business that you're in. Like you said, you're already pioneering the industry. I've never had anybody on the show that does what you do. This is pretty cool. 
I want to I want to transition here, but I want to know why. Yes, I want to know why you're in this industry, but like really what's the why for you as an entrepreneur? Well, it's going to sound corny, but I I feel like I was put here to make big change. And when I was in my cushy bank job, I just felt like I was totally my thumbs and it was just not for me. It was I wasn't made for the corporate world. Then we got yeah. introduced to the technology side. And the real the reason why we took the leap from our cushy jobs into the tech world was because we noticed that trash trucks, specifically in Southern California, were killing people because of the blind spots. So we went into the business of selling cameras to show that, you know, to um, help highlight those blind spots and save lives. And that was the, the main core mission. Like we can actually make a difference here. When yeah. we found out that there was this big gap and that most people take for granted that they get their keys in the morning, they get into the vehicle and they're gonna make it home to the dinner table. And in being in the industry for 16 years, we heard story after story after story of that not being the case. And one of the saddest things here, Chaz, is that in the news, you'll hear somebody dying and it'll be like a 30 second blip or a minute. And then it just move on to the next story. But yeah. we have to remember there's a human component to that. And that person who just died as a result of a stupid, you know, neglect or bad habit with using the phone, there's an empty chair. And there's yeah. a person who might not walk their daughter down the aisle. That's a yeah. dad or a mom. So all of those things are just the passion that drives me today. Yeah, that's pretty deep. Um, we we have a very close family friend of, of ours, um, my wife's very good friends with, with this lady who a year ago, almost to the day, um, her husband was hit on a highway, um, because of someone negligently using their device and, <clears throat> and it just obviously changed their life. Um, he's not here and they've got two young kids and it even changed the, the lady who was in the other car who was negligent driving, um, changed her life. As you can imagine, hitting somebody and knowing that you took away a dad from kids and a husband and pretty impactful, like you're saying. So obviously you kind of like worked in yourself into that, like, like, whoa, this is like really deep seated, but it started, it sounds like with like, I'm made for more. <laughs> how did, how did you make the gap? I mean, I guess I understand where you went from like, I'm made for more. And then this is how I can specifically help them. But was there a moment for you where you're like, dude, this is it. This is what I'm made for like this specifically. Yeah. So it was interesting, man. I was at a place where I, 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 I'm big on vision boards, right? So I, I've always okay. had vision boards since I was like 17, 18. And I was working at a bank as a teller, barely made it because <laughs> I talked too much, they said. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I couldn't balance my stuff. So I almost got fired because I couldn't balance. I was off like, like 10 cents. But they're like, you've got to be careful and slow down. My calling was in sales. So then I transitioned over to sales. And weird as it sounds, I was my goal was I want to be the youngest manager um, in the bank, and that was age 24 because the youngest was 25 at the time. Well, fast forward two years, which was pretty fast, and I'm the youngest manager at 21 in the state of California for wow. uh, a large bank. And so I was like, man, this is awesome. This like I'm on cloud. I just bought my first house. I'm I'm managing a bank. You know, I'm 21. I still have like pimples on my face and oversight. <laughs> it's this whole like I walk into. I remember never forget walking into my office and I had like this oversized suit in my large briefcase. And I was like, yeah, hi. And they're like, can we help you? I was like, yes. Uh, where's my office? And the lady just looked at me like, oh, you are the new manager. Yeah. I was like, yes. So um, wow. it was there that I was sitting at a table at a conference with all these managers that had been there for 15 years. And they were basically complaining about the same old crap that we could solve like this. And I was like, I don't want to be here in 15 years doing the same stuff. So I was like, I got I to gotta get out of here. And it so happened that my assistant manager, who's now my business partner and mentor, 
was in the back. He was he was doing all these business plans, and I'm asking him like, "What are you doing? Like, why aren't you a manager?" And he's just like, "It's not for me, man. I have a nexus strategy." So then he shared the uh, the plans he had, and I was like, "I'm going with you. Can I come with you? Like, what do I need to do?" And he's yeah. like, "Well, it's kind of scary, and we got to take the leap." And so he told me what the problem was, what we were trying to address. And I was like, right. "Okay, let's do it." And oops, that was really scary, Dude. really scary. Yeah, I think we can all relate to that moment, obviously, as entrepreneurs. Um, and then for you, obviously, as you got into the industry, it really just developed itself of helping people, which is total king mindset. Like, it's just, we start out for ourselves, and then and then it ends up being for someone else. Um, for, for you along that journey, I mean, you talked about, you know, banking and then sales and then making the jump. Did you know, even as a youngster, uh, that you would be a business owner one day? Or was it just like, I'm just hustling, trying to get more? Because... Our, our stories are actually pretty similar, but was it just, I want more or is it like, no, one day I'm going to own a business or when was that moment for you? Well, I, 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 I always had this hunger, right? Um, I came to this country in 93. I come from a village deep in the part of Mexico where it's like dirt floors. You can wake up wow. on your net. There's scorpions chilling on like the top of your thing. It's, it was pretty like no bathroom, you know, one room. So I came here and I started to get a picture of what the American dream sounds corny, but the American, like what you can accomplish here if you work hard. And I've always had that. I, I, you know, I shared the story that I've had my first business when I was like nine years old, where I would go to the swap meet, buy comics, trade them and sell them again. But that just kind of instilled this drive. And I got a, a glimpse of me just wanting to be bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where I would come home jokingly to my parents, you know, and be like, I'm going to be a millionaire one day. And they just look at me like, you're crazy. Hispanic culture, they love you to death, but they'll never tell you. And they'll think you're crazy and they'll never really support it because they want you to have that cushy, comfortable two, you know, two week paycheck. Yeah. So it was hard. Yeah. What do you think for you? Um, you mentioned vision board. Um, you're talking about, you know, as you're growing, you can see yourself being a millionaire, even as a, as a youngster. What gave you the ability to say, I'm going to go create a vision board or the understanding or the knowledge to say what the value of is in creating, right? You create it, but then you look at it. And you and you and you obsess over it, and I mean that's what the purpose of it is, right? So like, how did you know to do this at such a young age? The movie The Secret. I tell you, I watched anybody that I mentor now. I say the first thing we're gonna do, you're gonna go watch this movie, and then you're gonna create a vision board. If you can do those things, that's gonna change your life as is, and that that really drove everything that I and it, it just shot me up where I just started to visualize and then to materialize and it started with small, and then I was just like, why not throw this crazy goal in there? And I saw one of your shorts on, on YouTube and you were like talking about how you went and you found this list and you're like years ago. And then it, it was all, you know, you're checking the boxes and, yeah. you know, it's so powerful, but people just don't understand how powerful that exercise actually is. Yeah. Yeah. And so just to make it clear for the listener here, if you're not sitting, writing things down that are big and scary, or sometimes just things that you just want that aren't big and scary. Um, and not all material things, right? Yes, material things, that's fine. But what, what you said by materializing, what you meant was it's a thought and I'm turning it into something real. First step is to think it and then visualize it and then like imagine it being being true, being actual actual in my life, how I feel when I obtain that level or, or when I get that thing, whatever it is, who's around me, what are the, what's the smell like? I mean, all of this is like super interesting when you put yourself there, because basically your subconscious mind doesn't understand that you don't have it yet. You can basically train it that you already have it. And so then, then your action behind that starts going towards the things that are going to get you it. Right. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's so powerful. I mean, 
still doing it. And I got my wife to drink the punch. She first time I introduced <laughs> her to it, she's like, she's like, wait, what? And uh, then she started seeing things happen like in her life. Yeah. And then she was like, every December, she even created like a really, she's an engineer. So she created this really nice template where we just have to, you know, I put my goals throughout the year in, the, in my notepad. And then I'm like, okay, here's my top nine or top seven. And then we just go into Google. We look up for the images that represent the most, put it in a frame awesome. and it's done. And off you go. Off yeah. you go. That's cool. I've heard of that movie several times. I've actually never seen it, but um, all of these things, all these principles, um, that I'm discussing come from thinking grow rich. So I'm sure that there's some connection there. Um, regardless, I, I really want to hit this home because for you and I both, it sounds like this is really where it started. Um, and I don't think it ever ends. You already mentioned that both of us right now today have not only vision boards, but we spend time thinking and processing what it's like when we achieve those things. And so I just want to hit that home for the listener, because if we spent nothing else, like the time here, talking about anything else, and we just kept talking about this, it would be worth it. I wanted to get to more of your story, but I just want to hit it home for the listener that it is worth spending the time um, <clears throat> creating a process to where you think, and then you're training your subconscious to basically start putting yourself into action towards the things that you want. If you want more information on that, read Think and Grow Rich. It sounds like listen to the secret uh, or or reach out to our team. I'm, <laughs> someone's going to help you do this. This is incredible information. Okay. Mauricio, I got to know, in along this way, these five years that you've been in business helping people you know, not get sued and not die. <laughs> um, what's been a good decision that you've made, man? Like super practical in the business, something that we can take from you and apply maybe in our own, in our own businesses. Don't be afraid to be the first. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things. So technically we've been in business for over 16 years because we, we have two companies and that one, the first one is what led us to the second one. And we were actually comfortable with the first one because we had you know, I think we let, we had reached the level of success that we enjoyed, my business partner and I. And by the way, business partners typically don't last long. We've been working together for 20 years now. But it's it's a lot of that balance. But really, it's more so, it was just the idea of we're comfortable, but there's a need. Now we're going to put, instead of going to get investors and ha basically have them barking down our neck of like, where are we? Let's just fund it ourselves. And we funded it. And we were like, are they ready? Is the industry ready? And the answer was no. Five years ago, nobody was ready. But yeah. thankfully, we had experienced something similar in 2007 when we started the first company where we were like, okay, are they ready for GPS tracking? The answer was no. And we kept getting kicked out of offices. But we felt like this is a big picture. Everybody's going to use this at some point. There's so much benefits. Today, yep. it's coming out of the factory, right? So it was just being able to say, we're comfortable. Now we're going to put all our chips on the table to launch what we believe will save uh, you know, thousands if not millions of lives every year. Yeah, how do you know in that moment when even though you're ahead of schedule, right? And, and maybe not everybody's catching your vision, right? So what you're talking about is actually two things. <clears throat> uh, the, the listener might have a team that doesn't understand their vision. That's, like, that's solved in a different way. What you're talking about is the market. Like <laughs> I went to market with a solution with a pain point that they have but they aren't ready for me to solve it for them yet. What is the answer to that problem? How did you solve that? It was, well, cre creativity and resilience. It was just one of those things that we had. We didn't have a tremendous budget to make noise because we didn't have all the funding. We had to be creative on the way we delivered it. We had to be creative on the way that we posed the problem. Hey, you have a problem you don't even realize you have until you get to court. Right. And it's going to hurt you really bad. And unfortunately for like the smaller businesses, it only takes one incident for them to completely go out of business. Right. Yeah. So it was just one of those things where we, it's like, 
we have to be as creative and as resilient because we have to keep knocking on doors. We have to keep preaching till we're blue in the face. And we had been doing that. Sometimes it was defeating because we were just telling the same people over and over and over. And now we're getting to a point, you know, the iceberg, right? We're getting to that tip where everybody's like, even insurance companies are going, oh, we need that. And you're the only one that has it right now. So it's just yeah. an incredible, like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, the principle of persistence. I mean, you said resilience, resilience is like in the moment, um, like the, what you put in your backpack, cause you're going to need it. Um, the persistence is like, when you look back and like, man, I did that resilient thing for a long time, five years. And I'm just now getting to that, that market tipping point where people are not only understanding, but they're going on their own without me educating them, without me convincing them. <laughs> wow. This is a great product. What would you say to the listener right now who maybe isn't in an industry where they need to educate somebody on something completely brand new, but what they're experiencing might be the same feeling of like, you know, pushing the rock uphill. Cause in essence, it's the same. You had a different like, you know, situation cause you're educating a market on something brand new, but let's say they're in a business that like has been around, like it's an industry, like maybe contracting or, or marketing. Right. And they've been around for hundreds and thousands of years and people know what this is, but they're pushing their rock up the hill. How, how do they get resilient every single day? What does that actually look like on a day-to-day? -day? Well, I think there's two parts to that. I think, one, you have to be creative in the way that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Use, look at what others are doing. For us, it was difficult because we were pioneering something. So how do we do? We have to create it all. But for yeah. those that are industries that have similar competitors or others that are doing it, steady them. Steady them. Look, what they, look for what they do right. Look for what they do wrong and make your, your approach, your service that much better. Uh, so that, I think that's, that's very important. The second is going to be surrounding yourself with those people that push you and support you because you're going to have those days when your flame is just about to go out and you're in a dark place and you feel like the only way is to go back to that day job. And t for me, that's, that's, that's scarier than failure because it's like, I've already gotten so into this entrepreneur mindset that going back to day job would be devastating. So Make sure you have that circle of influence that supports you. And even if you are down or you have crazy ideas, it's always a yes, you can. How are we going to do it? Versus a no, you won't. That's crazy. That, that kind of mindset will really hurt you and actually get you to the failing point much faster. Yeah, it's like, in essence, why would you add on to the weight of stuff that you have to work through with that resilience? There's going to be plenty of problems. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Why add onto it uh, people who say you can't do it? Now, there, there's a little bit of a like value and fuel and putting a chip on your shoulder and saying, watch, I'm going to do it anyway. But that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about like putting yourself around people who lift you up um, rather than you having to lift yourself up through them and go do the business problems, right? <clears throat> Absolutely. And one thing that I also forgot that really helped me, perspective. Always seeing the glass half full. I see an opportunity. Other people see a problem. I look at it as I get to versus I have to. And those, yeah. those little tiny words, those little tweaks can make a world of a difference on how you view things, how you act on things, and how defeated you get when a problem uh, shows itself, which really is an opportunity. But you, yeah. know, you have to be able to look at it that way and you just, you'll do so much better. So Mauricio, are you telling me that just in the situation, I'm just supposed to you know, have an enlightenment of, okay, the glass is half full. Or is there a more practical way that you've that you've seen or that you've done yourself or that you've taught other people how to become like this? You got to take it in small. So it's it's almost like a like an art. You almost got to become like a black belt at it, right? Because because yes, 
I agree. I <laughs> by nature, you, you can already start getting pulling yourself into the negative bucket. Start with little tiny you know, exercises, right? From uh, household things like, okay, for the example, I get to versus I have to. I have to go to work. No, there are people out there that don't have a job. I get to go to work. Like you get to start, uh, like our baby being up all night, right? I have to get up and go feed her and give medicine. No, I get to. There are people out there that wish they had a baby, that wish they were taking care of nursing, right? So tiny little exercises will get you to the to be able to master it so that as soon as it hits you, and it's and it's by nature that you will want to go the negative route, right? It'll hit you, but then you'll be so well trained in the mind that you will be able to just go right after and go, oh, wait, but I see the opportunity. And that's a gift that I think I, I appreciate the most having today is being able to see the opportunity right as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Here for the listener, here's the formula that Mauricio just said. I this is actually something verbatim, word for word, that I say to myself every single morning in my visualization is when I have a negative thought, I am triggered towards a grateful thought. Every single example that Mauricio just gave to you was negative and he transitioned to I'm grateful. And so because I'm grateful, this is now my new thought. And so what I'm doing in my visualization every morning is I'm training my subconscious mind. So that way in those moments, like he's talking about, it happens automatically because 95% of our actions are controlled by the the subconscious. But everything that he just gave to you, the exact formula is 100% true, which is negative thought comes and I must transition to a grateful thought. That is the absolute formula to optimism or what he's calling opportunity. It's the same thing. And in order for you to be able to see that glass half full, you have to understand why it's important for you that you even had a glass or have any liquid in the glass to begin with because <laughs> some people don't or fill in the blank, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to know of a bad decision, something uh, that, uh, that you've done here uh, over the course of, I guess, close to 20 years with your partner that uh, was not your greatest hour. And uh, I want to know the details. <laughs> That's a great question. Well, there's, a, there's been a ton. <laughs> uh, we failed a lot. Right. But I, to, you got to fail to succeed, I think. Right. You got to just kind of take some of those bruises. I think for us, it was, you know, since the beginning of business, we tried to um, take the least expensive route. So we're like, let's just save money and we have to to survive. Right. Let's just yeah. let's just buy phones on Craigslist and not hire like a phone system. And we piece them together. And yeah, this Frankenstein of a phone system. Let's just do. And what we the biggest and most painful lesson was trying to outsource our code uh, our developers to yeah. overseas and then near shore and we were like oh we'll save money and da, 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 da. but it was such an expensive mistake i mean it it was just so painful we were self-funding it then we find out like you know three years into it your code's not really what it's supposed to be and it looks pretty bad and it's just like oh you just called my baby ugly like it's really painful, <laughs> you know and, and it's like well, what do we go from here we have to start from scratch almost like it was yeah. just and it, and it came on Christmas, like out of all things, you're like, oh my gosh. So, you know, the cheapest is not always, and this is, we, the crazy part is we always tell our customers, we are not the cheapest solution. If you want cheap, you go somewhere else because we are not, we bring value. Yet we are trying, we were going to try to get everything at a lower yeah. cost and we paid for it over and over and over. I think by now we know the lesson, but it, it was painful. Yeah, I mean, this is such a true principle, um, yet there's value in frugality, right? Right? Like, you don't just go spend money on the most expensive things all the time. There is some balance here, uh, even though I don't really like that word balance, but um, 
what would you say to that person who's like, okay, I hear you, but they're thinking about maybe spending money. I don't even know. Like there's just a lot of entrepreneurs that spend money where that's not needed, I guess. So what, what's the deciding factor for you of like, are we pinching pennies where we shouldn't be or where should we be? Cause it's, there's always a value in understanding the dollar or the penny. And so for you, it's like, okay, let's, let's do it right is what I'm hearing you say, do it with excellence. Let's not try to pinch pennies. But what you're saying is that there's in particular areas, how do I discern what areas needed or what areas don't? You know, that's actually a great question. So for us, for me personally, in our organization, in our organization, what we look at is ROI and we look at really kind of where is this going to take us and really checking ourselves, right? Quarterly, like not too long ago, we had this like realization, our sales process is broken and needs to be fixed. Okay. If we we're the first ones to be humble. You have to be humble to understand we're the ones that are keeping the bo we're the bottleneck here. So we need to hire a professional to help us break this and get us to the next level. So understanding where the investment's going to take you, sure there's risk behind it, but if you do your due diligence and you do some research and you measure, then you're gonna be able to experience better success than if you just kind of blindly throw money at this and money at that, because you can get sucked into that. I mean, you can get, to, I'm going to, you know, subscribe for this and this and that and this. And before you know it, you're paying, you know, $1,500 in subscriptions that you're not even using because you extended yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's, especially for, for new business owners listening right now, everything that Mauricio has given to you is really, really good. There's like this immense desire, especially when you get a little bit of success to like start, you know, doing everything new and flashy and, and there just needs to be discernment on what's needed in order to make the, probably the product the best. We don't always necessarily, um, you know, need the best of everything all at once because that, that for whatever reason, we all like to spend money, you know, like that's just what we do. And so, um, holding that back, not from a, like a, like a, um, you know, a lack mentality, but going, okay, well, there are particular spots like what Mauricio is saying that we should really just do this right, do it well, and don't be afraid is what he's saying to, to invest in those ways, invest, not spend money, invest, <laughs> right? That's, yeah, that's absolutely just invest. Yeah. You're a strategic person. You're clearly orderly. Uh, I told you already that you're, you're fresh. You got the suit on today looking sharp. Do you have like a, a decision making formula um, that you follow? Something comes across your desk and, and you got to make a hard decision. This is going to sound crazy, but I have fine tuned my gut. <laughs> yeah. I like it. It's, it's gut, man. I, I, you know, a lot of the times my gut has been on point. Not always, but now it's more point. I've developed this like sense of, is this person really giving me? And I pick up on certain things that I can that I can see. Is this person here to serve? The biggest thing our organization follows is we serve. We like to serve, and we're you know we always go in with the intention to serve. So when you talk to those that don't have that, you can pick up on it. And if you if you fine tune that sense, it becomes like your biggest ally and making difficult decisions. Obviously, it's not all gut, but you have to do some, you know, analysis and look at things, look at the numbers, ROI, forecast, all that. But really, it just comes down to, like, do I get this feeling from this person who I'm about to go into business? Because it's no different in a personal relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, so other than history, um, if somebody's maybe new in business right now and they're listening and they're like, oh man, my guts failed me. Um, is there like some sort of gut training that they can go through? <laughs> I pers personally, I seek out individuals who have been in my seat before. I yeah. learn from their mistakes. I, 
hey, can I take you out to lunch? I just want to pick your brain. It's going to cost me $60, but it's going to save me $50,000 in mistakes, right? So exercise that because people are often going to say yes. A lot of times people don't like to ask because they're afraid of rejection, but it's actually flattering for the person being asked to be like, oh, wow, okay, I can totally give you insight. Some of them can be jerks, of course. They're just kind of way over their high horse, but others that are still humble and, and wanting to give back and pay it forward, ask them to lunch and just pick their brain and you will come out of there with a wealth of knowledge that you're going to be able to use and kind of help you with that gut training. Yeah. Love that. All right. I want to know of a business resource that uh, you've used, gotten value from, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's an event that you've been to that you've invested yourself that uh, would be helpful for us to know. <laughs> I've actually really jumped into chat GPT. I'm starting to really, um, started to really dive into. I really like, obviously, because we're in the, in, the, in the tech and software, I really yeah. like innovative stuff. And so anytime I can get my hands on stuff that's new and coming, um, don't be afraid of it. Just grab it by the horns and see what it, what value it brings, right? What are the opportunities behind it? We found a lot. Um, but right now, ChatGPT is one of those things was like, okay, I think people do see the, the positive and also the negative, but yep. let's take advantage of what we can do with the positive. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, what are some of the things that you're using uh, ChatGPT for now? Uh, marketing, messaging, um, uh, you know, uh, even even to the point of cease and desist contracts. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Like, you can get into all that, hire an yeah. attorney to draft this thing, or you can have ChatGPT draft it for you. And I'll give an example of something that was really interesting. We're trying to figure out personas for specific, uh, you know, fleet uh people in the organization. And this process would have taken us probably a couple weeks to just sit there and try to prompt it on the chat GPT within five minutes. I had the three personas down to their fears, their concerns, their stress level, all that. And it was just wow. like that. I mean, we're like, we just saved like three weeks. And, and, and so love, love the technology. Yeah. And so let's just dive into that for just a half second. Cause I think what you're talking about, we've, we'd not have, we've not had an opportunity to go pretty deep on, um, before on the show. And so I want to take an opportunity to do it. Cause I think it's valuable for the listener. Um, so for marketing, you just talked about being able to really kind of hone in on a persona an avatar, a specific, uh, targeted client or, or, t um, audience. And so everything that you just said, I want to explore a little further. Mauricio is talking about putting in information, that ChatGPT can help windle down that basically spits back to you, who is this person that I'm trying to talk to? And then what that does, of course, ChatGPT can help you organize a, a sales letter or a, a social media post or whatever type of marketing copy that you're trying to come up with. But what, what it's really trying to do here is help you, <laughs> the business owner, like genuinely and deeply understand who is this person that I'm talking to. Of course, they can help you write it too because they understand ChatGPT is the, the they. Help us understand like the value here. Like, we're, yes, we're using the tool to help us here, but why do we need to know like at a deep level who we're trying to talk to? Well, we live in a world where if you're in trying to sell something, they're probably getting sold. They're probably getting called, emailed, bombarded. You have to stand out and you only get yeah. one shot. So when you have to, we talked about that creativity, right? Being able to be creative and stand out. ChatGPT allows you to be able to go in there and start getting thinking of creative ways Understanding the audience that you're talking to, understanding their pain points, truly understanding what they're, what keeps them up at night, right? Those things are really going to resonate with them because you're trying to uh, solve a problem. That a lot of people in sales focus on, my product can do this, 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 this. The consumer, because everybody's a consumer first, cares about what's in it for me and how's that going to make my life easier. So you have to really go out with your messaging of like, 
I can help you do this by doing this. And it has to be very clear and concise. The attention span today is so short that you have to be able to stand out amongst all of those people that are calling and bombarding this, this person uh, to be able to stand out, show your value within like a three to five second span. So yeah. ChatGPT can help you get creative and come up with ways that will allow you to penetrate that and truly understand who you're trying to serve. Yeah. And so you're um, obviously not brand new in business. And so maybe there might be a difference between somebody who's new versus you. Maybe you give an answer to both on this question, but <clears throat> how specifically are you using then that knowledge? ChatGPT is helping you gather the knowledge of who is my avatar, who is my client, who's this person I'm really serving? What are their pain points? What are they going through? Helping me understand really how to talk to them. Once I have that, where are you using it? So remember that you have to be careful not to subscribe to all of the different things and you have to make sure you put your money where it needs to go. Understanding the persona is going to better give you an idea of how to best reach them. Are they the ones that you want to reach by phone? Are they the ones you want to reach by email? Are they the ones you want to do a newsletter? You, you have, are they the ones that go to shows, right? Like how am I able to best, what's the best form of communication with these folks? And then once you've identified that, then you start putting a creative campaign behind it. Like if it's a calling campaign or if it's a, you know, if it's a lunch or whatever it is, um, you, you have to be able the chat GPT or understanding the persona will give you a good idea, kind of directions on which way to reach them and where your highest level of success will be to actually connect with them. Yeah. So good. So specific, but yet helpful for Anybody listening, I just really appreciate that answer. Um, I got a question for you about family. Um, you've already mentioned that uh, you know you're up uh, most of the night last night. Appreciate you still being here uh, with with a with a youngin. And I think everybody uh, who has kids recognizes that moment. But my question for you is: How have you, or how are you currently obsessing over the family, your wife, the things that you guys do as a family at the same time as the business? I told you earlier, I'm, uh, I don't like the word balance. I think it's ridiculous. And so tell us, what's your secret to doing both at the same time, obsessing over both? Well, I'm fortunate that over time, we've been able to build this amazing team. And the team really is, I, I learned early on that if you want to be able to enjoy success, success at one point for me was material things. Today, it's time. Time mm -hmm. is success. Uh, now that I have family and the kids, right? So it's understanding that you have to have the trust in the people that will drive the business and we'll be able to carry it and basically bleed your brand. Like they, it, it runs through their veins. So you have that trust that if you step out for a couple days, a week, that everything's gonna flow exactly as it should. For me, taking time off and being with the family and not having to work weekends and being able to take time off whenever is awesome because I get creative. And when I get creative, then I can come back to the team and go, guys, I just thought of this. And then boom, right? Let's deploy it. So it, it allows me to be able to just kind of brew the creativity versus having to be at a desk and having, you know, I have to do this and being stuck at the computer all the time. So it's important to be able to have that creativity time. Take some time off. If you don't burn out, that's the scary part. When you burn out, it's hard to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So for you, there's a couple um, points here I want to just maybe highlight for the listener. Number one, you said that it used to be material things. Now it's time. What was the moment or was there like a period where you're like, okay, I've let go of the Lambo and I'm now focused on maybe the family or the assets that are going to build my families for years. Like, was there a specific moment in there that you can share? Yes. I can tell you that I was Mr. Bachelor traveling all over the place and, you know, buying the nice things and stuff. And then I realized as I'm taking this tour in Australia, I was just empty. 
And it's just like, I don't have anybody to share this with. Like, yeah, on social media, everybody posts things like, oh, look how, how, how fun this is. It's all phony stuff. Like, and they say, when I speak to students, I talk about it. Like, don't get caught into that because it's not all true. It's a lot of it is fake. And for me, it was this trip to Australia and I was like doing all kinds of cool stuff. But then at the end of the day, I was like, this doesn't feel, I need to have somebody to share it with. Like, I need to be able to, you know, create memories with a person that I like, that like my partner, you know? And, um, and that's really kind of, it, it just changed everything from, yeah. I want to have all the nice things to, I want to create memories and have like a person who's there with me all the time that I can share with. How do you think, I think that the, a lot of people that listen to this show, a lot, almost every single person, uh, if not every single person in our exclusive mastermind group is this way. And I've, I've dubbed it as like down to earth, uh, wholesome values. It's kind of hard for me to put some labels on this persona, but everything that we're talking about right now, I think is is definitely a certain breed, right? Or maybe it's at a certain maturity level, right? What would you say to the person listening right now that either doesn't understand, or maybe they do understand, they have that wholesome value of family and, and other things outside of just, just the business and material things, but they don't know how to get there. What would you say? I would say exercise. Oh, geez. Well, there you go. Amber alert. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, wow. I had to do not disturb, but Amber alert, come on. Um, yeah, they come. They come through no matter what. <laughs> I'm on a buzzer for time. I'm just kidding. Now, um, I would say honestly, practice the art of giving back. It, it doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be material. It could be your time. If you yeah. practice that, it just develops this thing where you are in fact giving to others, and it's this most it's this most amazing transformative thing you'll ever be in. Because I, I will share this with you. I I was I started a charity when I was flat broke you know, giving kid toys to kids in Mexico. And I remember my own family, which I had to stay away from for two years because they wouldn't believe they didn't see the vision. They would even, if I ever came around, they'd be laughing at me and be like, you're the charity. How are you even having this charity if you are the charity? Right. And I just kind of like, I don't know. I just, even if I just break my bread, like I, I, I feel like I need to give back. And so if you exercise that, it gives you that humility. It allows you to be grateful. It allows you to just, feel good because then when you give back it doesn't matter what it is or how you do it but if you yeah. genuinely give back with the with the genuineness in your heart to give to somebody because you want to not because oh i'm gonna get it back tenfold it's right. it's it changes everything yeah yeah we've we've uh, got this phrase inside of gathering the kings called grateful but not done and i think that <clears throat> this person that we're describing this mature king if you will is doing the things that you're talking about whether it's you know, something that's always been inside of them like you, or over the course of time, they've realized like, mm, this is actually the value in life is to be able to pour out. Now, sometimes it's hard to pour out when you don't have a lot. It's still pretty cool though. When you can, like you just gave that example, you don't always have to have material things to be able to pour out. Um, it's a mindset to be able to want to give out of whether it be your time or whatever resource that you have, um, available to you. But that, that material form, from the business, from money, from other uh, resources that can be produced materially, uh, oftentimes come later. And that maturity for that king is like, no, I, I hold it with an open hand, and what's mine is yours. And and as long as the the rising tide is is what is benefited here, I think that's how most kings think. Would you agree with that? Absolutely, absolutely. I got right. one last question here for you, Mauricio. I want to know if you had the opportunity to whisper in the younger Mauricio's ear. What would you tell that little guy? Well, that's a good one. Um, that's a good one. 
I guess just believe in yourself. You know, that, that I think that would be key. When I crossed the border, you know, being where I came from, had you told me I'm going to be doing all the things that I got a chance to do and have the family, all the things, I would be like, there's just no way. That's crazy. That's beyond my wildest dreams. And to be able to live it, that's really where I get my gratefulness from is I look around and I'm like pinching myself because it's like, this is like life right now. This is amazing. So I would say to myself, just keep believing in yourself. You'll get there. And uh, yeah. It's good stuff, man. I, uh, I I recognize those sentiments. Belief is is by far the most important thing. Um, how can the listener find you? Number one, they might have a business that needs your uh, tech and services. Um, they might know somebody that needs your tech and services. How can they find you there? Or if they're just an entrepreneur and they want to uh, connect with you and uh, do the thing that you said as far as maybe ask for some help, how can they find you? Um, I'm usually very active on LinkedIn. So that's usually my go-to. Uh, you can find me under my name, Mauricio Berber, M-A-U-R-I-C-I-O, B-E-R-B-E-R. Um, and then also my email, which would be at my first letter, and then B-E-R-B-E-R at predictivecoach.com. But uh, the best way would probably be LinkedIn because I, I tend to do a lot of conversations there. Yeah, that's perfect. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. Um, you said your name way cooler than I did, but Mauricio, I appreciate you being here. Um, I, I'm a little bit like, uh, you know, uh, throttled back here. I want, I want to go so many different directions with you. We're going to have to keep that conversation for the two of us at another time, but, um, it's a pleasure to meet you and to know you. I'm thankful that you're here and uh, we wish you nothing but blessing to your family, to that little baby that was having some trouble sleeping last night and all your business endeavors. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Appreciate the opportunity.